Greetings and salutations to you all. This is Dee Dee Moonflyer. Welcome to Twilight Tonic, your weekly voyage to points distant and parts unknown. We'll discuss all things paranormal, spiritual, weird, and wonderful. So if you're ready, grab your favorite tonic, your best comfy chair, and let's begin. Twilight Tonic, I have a very special guest, and I really enjoyed talking to him previously to getting started. And I am not going to lie, this is a name I have a hard time with. It's John Vantiverter, and he has written The Relics. And we're going to talk about why he chose the paranormal and cryptids and UFOs. And we're also going to talk about his new book, Nepal. And I am really fascinated by him. How are you tonight, John? Fine. Great to be here, Dee. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm really looking forward to this all day. First, let's talk about why Why would you choose cryptids, aliens, kind of like the paranormal in general? What, what was your idea for that? Now, I know you're ex-military, but kind of tell me about the background in all of that. Did the book's ideas come first and then the research, or did the research come first and then the book's? Actually, it was all one big accident. Well, I wouldn't say it was an accident. Um, yeah, I my main passion my whole life was aircraft, military aircraft. Um, mm-hmm. I did 16 years in the Air Force. And when I was a little bitty kid, um, my sister told me I store all the uh, airplane pictures out of the encyclopedia and hung, <laughs> hit them under my bed. <laughs> and I got in a lot of trouble for that, evidently. I don't remember. But, uh, but I've been that way my whole life. And so... Um, it kind of carried over into my pastime, and my big love of aviation is World War II um, aviation history. So for like 20 years, I was on this online flight sim called Aces High, and we all took it too serious, you know. And, and like Friday nights, we would recreate battles, and, and we were doing Operation Torch, which was in North Africa. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, we had squadrons and all this stuff formed, you know. It was like a whole community. And uh, so that night we were supposed to, the squadron I was in, we were supposed to just kind of uh, fly along this beach in in North Africa. We were just patrolling an area and just watching for Axis bombers or anything to come by. And and then we'd alert the other squadrons. Excuse me. So we're flying along in our little cyber airplanes and everything's going good. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine that I'd flown with for years and I'd never heard him speak of it, started talking about a Bigfoot sighting he had when he was a kid. And um, so there was, you know, we were just really one flight. There was only four of us. And um, because we were just kind of had this little scout mission for the night. And he was talking about it. And I looked off to the left and I saw all these dots coming from, you know, the Italy area. So I knew it would be Germans or Italians. Mm -hmm. So I called bandits, nine o'clock, broke into them. And they just kept flying down the beach talking about Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I can jump <laughs> on these 10 German planes, and, you know, so I'm in my little cyber parachute float down. Well, that sim, any other time, if you get shot down, you can just get a new airplane and go. But when we do these battle recreations, when you're out, you're out. And there was like three hours left, and I was floating down in my parachute, and I was mad. So I'm telling my friend about, you know, Bigfoot's stupid. He's stupid for talking about Bigfoot, blah, 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 blah. So the next morning after I woke up and I resumed being a 50-something-year-old again instead of a 12-year-old boy, <laughs> I called him in and apologized and said, mm-hmm. tell me your Bigfoot story. And it was in Florida, of all places. Mm-hmm. And I, and he told me, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty weird. Um, I never uh, I never knew they had him in Florida. I thought it was a Pacific yeah. Northwest thing. Well, and he was in Ohio, and he started telling me about Bigfoot in Ohio. And I thought, okay, that's yep. kind of cool. And do you remember, did you ever see the movie Exist? I yes. think it was Exist. Well, I saw a trailer for that, so I, I emailed it to him. And, uh, no, I sent it to him on Facebook or something. And anyway, he said, uh, well, that's pretty cool. We we could make a movie like that, but I, I can't do that first-person whatever video or whatever he called it that made him dizzy. And I said, what do you mean we could make a movie? He goes, well, do you know? You, you don't know what I do for a living. I said, no, we never got that far. We just talked airplanes. Well, he had a production company. He did those 30, 20, 30-minute 30 infomercials. Oh, wow. And so I had written a couple of scenarios for these Friday night things. And he said, well, you can kind of write this stuff. Why don't you write me a Bigfoot story? Because he wanted to, like, make a short film. And I didn't really want to do it, but, you know, I tried to help him. So I jumped in, and he was giving me the locations, and everything was in Ohio. And in a couple of weeks, I've been working on it a couple of weeks and he had to bail because he got a big contract in California and that was going to make him real money. So, of course, you know, the Bigfoot thing has to go away. Yeah. And so I set it aside. I really didn't want to write the story anyway. I was never fond of writing. And my sister was down from Arkansas. I lived in Texas at the time and her and her husband had come down to visit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a little mountain um, cedar <laughs> stuff going here. But um, anyway, she saw what I'd written. She said, oh, you got to make this into a novel. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> she kept at me. I, I never knew my mom, and my sister was nine years older, so she was kind of my surrogate mother. So she wanted me to do it, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And I started on it. And I was never interested in Bigfoot. Now, my paranormal, I was interested in UFOs. I always, and I think because they flew, and I just oh, like yeah. things that fly. So I was always very interested in UFOs, but I always thought Bigfoot was kind of neat. It just didn't catch my fancy. Well, mm-hmm. I started researching it, and I bought, um, oh, what's his name? He does a 411 series. Um, oh, David Politis yeah. had written a couple of Bigfoot books, and I got those, and they were really interesting. Then I started listening to podcasts while working because <laughs> I, I drove a lot. So I was getting ideas. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this novel, and I couldn't figure out where to do it. And um, because my friend was gone, and I was gonna use Ohio, and he was gonna give me his geography. So I started looking around. I searched the internet for anything in Texas. I thought about going to Falk, Arkansas, yeah, because I, I didn't live too far from there, and doing like out of there. And then I saw, ran into the siege of Honubi, and in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, that's only about three hours away. That's kind of cool. So I started writing a story, and the more research I did, and now when I say research, this was rear-end research. This was sitting at my computer desk 
you know, going through everything right. I could find. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't out in the boonies every weekend or anything like that. I did a little <laughs> of that later. And uh-huh. then I thought, you know what? I like my bed a lot better than I like sleeping <laughs> on rocks. So, um, that was a short-lived thing. But anyway, I I started doing research, and and I'd hear about this thing happening, that thing happened, the woo side, the, the, the ape thought, you know, the ape theory versus the spiritual theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I started hearing about government cover-ups and black ops and military involvement. And I'm thinking, man, if I'm going to do this story, I want all this stuff in it. So it took me like two and a half years to write the book. And, but I added all that stuff and the Bigfoot people seemed to really eat it up and they liked it. And um, so I thought, well, you know, that was kind of fun. And my sister was saying, you, you should do a, uh, you should do a um, sequel. And so Relics ended up being a trilogy. Yeah. And um, I found a way to, keep the Bigfoot storyline, but bring in like UFOs as well, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I brought in a little bit of late world war two history, Roswell stuff. Um, uh, Kenneth Arnold sighting. And, you know, I, I just, I was able to just weave it all together. I have a friend who's an author and they would name David Wilbanks. He's mm-hmm. also in Oklahoma has written a couple of Bigfoot books. Yeah. He goes, yeah, man. When I started reading your series, after I read the first one, I went in the second one. He goes, I don't know how he's going to pull these things together. <laughs> he, he goes, how'd you do that? And I said, I don't know. And then he uh, got to the third one. He goes, I can't believe you pulled all that together. And I, you know, maybe I'm just got the gift of BS or something. I don't know, but I was able to, <laughs> I was able to find stuff, you know, that, you know, if you research stuff enough, you can find something that'll support sure, yeah. something else. So that's what I used. And, Really funny, um, just before Relics released the very first time, I, I did a second edition of it, I um, I met my now wife, Monica, and, you know, it took me like four months to get a date with her, you know, and, um, <laughs> and so we're on our first date after all this time, you know, it took, takes four months, and I'm taking her to Texarkana to eat because there's nicer restaurants there right. than where we lived. And she's like, so tell me about this book you wrote. I heard you wrote a book. And I, I'm thinking, four months? I am not telling her I wrote a Bigfoot book. You know, I'm just not, because, you know, I figure, I can see it now. Okay, take <laughs> me home, or, you know, this will be the first and last date. So I'm just kind of him hawing around. And um, so finally she says, tell me what your book's about. I said, okay, it's a novel, and it's about Bigfoot. And she sat back for a second. She said, oh. She goes, you know. I always thought if those things exist, they might be a form of Nephilim or something like that. And I said, Nephil what? She said, Nephilim, have, have you ever read the Bible? And I'm like, well, no. And she says, well, you should and start with Genesis 6. <laughs> so anyway, and Monica, she does this to this day. She's um, she was she's Hispanic and she grew up mm-hmm. in El Paso. She was an Air Force brat. And, you know, as a large Hispanic family, they're all Catholic. Oh, and yes. when she was a teenager... She just kind of rebelled against the Catholic Church, and she ended up leaving the Catholic Church and joined a Messianic Jewish synagogue. That's interesting. So then she was introduced to the Torah and all that, and that's where she started getting her information. And she still, every morning, she gets up, and for at least an hour, usually more, she um, reads the Torah, she reads the Bible, she transcribes Hebrew into English and finds the messages and verses from the Torah and what they mean, that's just her thing, you know? And so uh, 
I was able to like get information from her and stuff is so I kind of added a little bit of a Nephilim kind of storyline to relics two and three. And um, I was just able to tie it all together and it was a lot of fun. Now, had it been my druthers, if, if I was going to write a book, my person would have probably been about UFOs. So Right. Yeah. And then I followed that up with uh, a series for young adults, but the adults seem to like the books as much as the youngsters do. Uh, the Shadow, Shadow Chasers. chasers. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Relic's Light. You know, you can't yeah. really, there's not a lot of blood and gore, you know. And uh, yeah, in fact, it took me the third book for anybody to actually die. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I went light on the kids, but they seem to love it, and, and the adults love them too. So I, I've been really fortunate with that. I mean, I don't have—I'm not a bestseller or anything of that sort. But the people who read my books seem to like it, and you know, it seems to be like a small interest group that reads my books, and so far, and that, and that's okay. And I can tell I've done a good job with the characters because I killed one in the second book. And they got upset. (laughs) And I am still catching grief about it. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, you know, he could always be on a ship and be reanimated. Well, he, yeah, he's had his little cameos, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, I've had to give him a couple of cameos, (laughs) you know, thinking back, you know, somebody thinks back and there he is. (laughs) You know, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, for a guy who didn't want to write a Bigfoot book, my goodness, you have what ten over ten books out? Oh no, only only uh, my seventh just published. The seventh, that's a Today, lot of yeah. books for somebody who didn't want to write about Bigfoot. I know, I know, it, it is, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, but you know what? I found out. <sighs> well, I always like my children will tell you. I was, I was always. I always like to take them out in the country at night. We go down some old road, and I tell them ghost stories oh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And I remember one time I was while I was stationed in in Tucson, we used to go to East Texas a lot and spend time with my dad and stuff. You know, I'd take leave and go out there for a couple of weeks. And there's this area between El Paso and uh, the Odessa Permian area called uh, Van Horn, and the mountains are right along the mm-hmm. uh, highway there. And so one night we're you know driving to Texas, and the kids were in a Volkswagen van with. Four kids at the time and a husky dog in the back. And the kids are just going crazy. You know, it's like nearly midnight and, you know, I'm road weary. And, and I look over at the mountains and I'd say, hey, guys, look up on that mountain. Watch. Tell me if you see a hairy man because the moon, it was a full moon. Oh. And the mountains were just lit up. <laughs> and I said, there's a big hairy man called the Wahoo Man that runs up and down that mountain and screams at cars at night as they drive by. So, you know, all their little faces are in the window looking up. And it, I, I figured it out later. I said, man, I guess that was my first Bigfoot story because yeah, I just yeah. said it was a wild man. <laughs> I didn't say it was any. I'll tell you, here's how little I knew about Bigfoot. When I started <laughs> researching, I remembered the, the movie. Uh, oh, what is that thing that took place in Falk? Um, doggone it. What was that movie? Uh-oh, there's so many. Every, it's everybody's <laughs> go-to um, you mean the footage from nineteen the seven nineteen sixties? No, it's uh, Legend of Boggy Creek, the movie Legend oh, of Boggy yeah, Creek. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. I remember seeing that when I was like twelve. Oh yes, and and until I started researching for Bigfoot, I never connected that to Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was some hairy monster. And then when I started doing the research, and I 
So the I was like, oh, okay, well that makes sense now, you know. And all all that time before, I just thought it was some monster. I didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't even consider it being a Sasquatch or anything. <laughs> so yeah, I was pretty. I was pretty. Uh, I was yeah. I started out basement level Sasquatch knowledge. So. <laughs> now, writing all this and doing some research, you said you were out in the woods a couple times and stuff. Have you witnessed anything since then, John? Yeah, I have. And the thing of it was, I had there's a place in Arkansas called uh, Longpool. Mm-hmm. And I've been there twice. And twice I've had activity, found um, prints. And actually, that place is scary. I don't like being there at night. And a friend of mine and I went there twice. And we want to go back one day. But the last time we went, it got, I don't know, it was just intense. It, you could hear him moving. You could hear um, growls and, and tree shakes and we just couldn't get a light on anything. So get out of there. And I go to a couple places on the Sulphur River in Texas. And of course, then I'd moved to Honubby here in Oklahoma. And I was going to Brown Springs, Oklahoma. And I remember I went to a weekend thing at Brown Springs and um, it was August. And I came back and I was covered in tick bites and chigger bites. Oh, no. And I remember thinking, why am I out doing this? Because, you know, Nothing happens. And I told my wife, I said, hey, I don't know if there's Bigfoot in um, in a Long Pool, Arkansas. There's something out there. And I said, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's anything at Brown Springs. If there was, it's gone. And I don't think there's anything around here because, I mean, it's pitch dark right now. And I don't have any problem just walking across my property in a tree line. I mean, you know, other than maybe a cougar, you know, that wouldn't right. be enjoyable. But. But, you know, I'm, I, you just don't get that foreboding feel or it's just peaceful here. Yeah. It's extremely peaceful. So I tell her this and I think that was it was August 5th, 2018. And then two nights later, the summer of 2018, Mars was real prominent. And as we discussed, I like things that fly and I like looking at the sky. Mm-hmm. But I went out to look at Mars because it's really beautiful and out here where we live there was no lights or anything you oh, know so man. beautiful, beautiful stargazing so yeah. i walked out to look at mars i walked around my wife's car and i set off the motion detector for the lights out in the carport so i'm looking up and as i stepped around the car the light comes on and i'm looking at mars but my eye gets attracted to movement and i look down and i see this thing running right across my par- property line and it's uh, about 80 yards from me, 80 to 100 yards. And it ran 100 yards from my left to right. And I mean, it did it in just a matter of like four seconds tops. I've never seen anything move that fast. And it was on two legs. Oh and I remember the weirdest thing about it was it didn't pump its arms. Its arms were like, you would see a guy on a surfboard, you know, it had to have its arms out like, you know, mm-hmm. like a surfer stance almost. And it was running. And then I remember it jumped because there's a fence over there. And I thought maybe it jumped that fence. Mm-hmm. And that was the only time it pumped its arms when it left. And then I lost view of it. So Interesting. I come running in the house. Monica, Monica, I think I saw Sasquatch. And she looked right in my eyes and went, oh, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, you know, and I'm describing it to her. And she's like, okay, well, I, I believe you. And and then it was funny because it was like three months after that, she saw one in the same general area. Really? But she had 200 people with her, and all three of them saw it for just a second as it walked into a tree line. And then, oh, wow. you know, so she had she had other witnesses. But we've never had 
we're well i brought it this huge pool with me from texas it was a big above ground pool and i noticed one summer and it only happened one summer every time i got in there to clean there'd be a bunch of these big rocks in there that are down <laughs> by the road that of are you know it's a, good, it's a good you know it's further than i could throw one of them rocks or any human i know <laughs> so i was wondering you know about that and then there's no, there's pine, we got five acres and there's pine trees on the acreage, but none inside or even near the part we have been sitting around the house. And Monica would always lay like if she found a pine cone or a flower or a pretty rock, she'd lay it on this ledge out by the carport. Well, every morning we'd get up and there'd be a couple of pine cones on that carport ledge. And that was weird. So I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, that was just kind of, Kind of a strange thing, and then it all stopped. But it, the funny thing is, all that kind of stuff stopped about the time they started logging the mountains behind the house. We live in a, the valley here; is only a mile wide. Right. We got yeah. mountains to our north and mountains to our south, oh, and we kind of butt up against the mountains to the north. And when they started logging up there, it was like nothing happened after that. Oh, yeah. It's it's really interesting that you said how quickly they move. I interviewed which you might really like this one. I'll have to send this to you too. A, a guy named Jeremiah, Jeremiah from New York State. And he said how quickly they moved. He has some on yeah. his property. And he told me that they recognize scopes on a gun. Well, they probably do. Yeah, he said he ran into a female and she must have had some young around her. And he said for some reason... He thought that they connected with him telepathically somehow, and he was looking at her through the scope. He goes, she goes, you point that gun at me again or something to the effect, you won't live before you pull the trigger. Wow. Well, there may have been another one closer that he didn't know. Yeah. I was like, yeah. well, then well, <laughs> they're smart. Well, the lady that lived in this house, there was a couple renting this house before we bought it. Uh-huh. And, um... The lady who lived in this house said she saw him all the time and she claims they had telepathic communication with him. Yeah. And she said they were friendly and wouldn't hurt her. But every time she started telling the story, the tears would just be streaming down her face. Oh. And um, her and her husband, they live down in Tallahena now. And that's really the setting for the first Relics book is Tallahena because for the story, I needed, a, I needed some infrastructure. I needed a police department hospital, restaurants. We don't have any of that in Honolulu. So, um, right. I moved a story about 20 miles north to, to Tallahena. But uh, she opened a Bigfoot museum down there, as a matter of fact. What? Oh, my gosh. She's probably crying because she was going to miss them. Well, maybe so. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, she she will tell you she's, you know, well, of course, I am I wouldn't shoot one. I mean. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't have the heart. I, I just, you know, unless it was, you know, I don't know if it was charging me. I, I don't know. I probably would, but just to see one and shoot it, no. I mean, mm. um, you know, when I was younger, I hunted, but I just don't like killing stuff. You know, like I told Monica, is it all these deer? They're safe here unless we just run out of food mm. <laughs> and we got to eat them. I said that's the only way I'm. Like, I said I'm not interested in hunting. You know, I just yeah. feel guilty if I killed anything, you know. Now, if I had to survive, that's that's a different story. But 
hopefully I never get to that point, you know. I think I think the deer would taunt me because I'm vegan. They'd probably be like, ah, oh, <laughs> she's just going to starve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd be well, waving. It's hard, too, because <laughs> I got a friend down the road about two miles, and they have a little, they had a little fawn they found. The mother got hit by a car. Oh, no. And so they took it home, bottled it, and now it's like their dog. <laughs> yeah. A car yeah. on it, it comes in the house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the same way. My, I tell you, my husband cringes every time there's an animal around my house. I I feed the possums. I have a possum yeah. I named. I call her Pearl. She has an injured leg right now, so I put out special food for her. I feed the stray cats. I have five animals, John. <laughs> well, you know, it happens quick. Yeah. Um, I have the one dog, Opie, but now I've got two because back in May, um, the lady with the Bigfoot Museum, she had a little Bigfoot um, convention kind of thing, you know, and speakers. And so I emceed it for her. And I came back and it was dark and I was trying to load stuff out of the car. And I stepped on something and it yelped. And I thought it was my dog. And I thought, man, that was a hype. And I looked down and there's this little furball and mm-hmm. ended up keeping her. Somebody dumped her. She had a collar around her waist. That's awful. And, uh, and would fit in, people. You know, fit in my hands, you know, her whole little body fit in my hands. Now she's as big as Opie nearly. And, you know, he's like, did you really need to keep her? Because she's still puppy. You know, she's chewing on him all the time. And he just looks at me in disgust. <laughs> I know. They're so funny. I have, I have two dogs. And every time I bring something in, because I foster kittens and stuff. And I bring something in, bring it to its special room. And they just look at me like, is this going to be a... A foster fail mom because there's no more room <laughs> no more room in our two two bedroom cottage there's just no more room so they're always in my studio so if, like for months I had like little black kittens and another cat and my cat would sit by the door but she knew she's okay as long as they're in the special room they leave the special yeah. room she's on the war path she wants oh, no right? other cat in the house and she was a stray <laughs> Well, you you know something funny too um, about that Bigfoot sighting. Mm-hmm. Opie, my dog, he's half lab and half uh, Australian Shepherd, and he was standing next to me, and he saw it too, and he just wagged his tail and was looking at it like, "Ain't no big thing." And it made me wonder if he he'd seen it before, or encountered it before. That's interesting. Because he barks at everything. I mean, he'll bark at a at a. Fire it, you know. Yeah, a firefly, <laughs> he bark right? At everything, <laughs> and he didn't bark at this. He just, especially if I'm near him, he'll uh-huh. bark because he wants to show me he's protecting me. You know, wants to show off. And yeah, it was strange. He didn't bark at all. He just wagged his tail like it was his buddy or something. That's so. interesting, you know. And that's fascinating. It goes back to almost the telepathy. Well, there you go. That, Maybe they they told the dog, "Hey, we're not going to hurt you. We we live here," and they're probably throwing rocks in your pool. <laughs> well, they probably are because these were big rocks. Yeah, I mean, they they're known and, to and throw rocks. Monica, you know, she didn't find any joy in picking up anything heavy. So <laughs> <laughs> she's probably like, "I didn't throw that, honey." <laughs> you know, why would I throw a rock? <laughs> Did and why would I rock? do it in our swimming pool? <laughs> Did you throw a rock? Did a rock hit you? No. Well, I didn't throw it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I hear I hear stories about people leaving them food as well. 
I don't know if you've heard any of those stories. Um, yeah, I have heard those stories. Yeah. And, um, it's just, well, there's a hollow tree down by the creek. It's about 300 yards from here. Uh-huh. Beautiful creek. And sometimes I'll put stuff in there, but I don't put anything around the house. No, uh-uh, I wouldn't either. I hear about yeah. them baning on the houses and stuff if they don't get their mm-hmm. <laughs> their yummies. I'm like, I don't yeah, think I'd, I'd like that. Yeah, I don't think I could deal with that. <laughs> I'd be like, uh-uh, in my home. Mm-mm. And I think it, it's interesting because when I've talked to some people, a lot of times they'll buy a house and they didn't know that the previous right. owners left food out for them. And they see them look in the window pounding on the side of the house. And I think I'd be like scared out of my wit if I saw yeah, Bigfoot you know staring I, at me. I'd rather, I'd rather they'd be a mystery than looking at me. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, no, there's not enough dog chow in the world. <laughs> I, I, I know what I saw and I was glad I saw it. But, well, funny thing, too, I was on a Bigfoot group in, mm-hmm. in Facebook. And so when I had the sighting, I was pretty excited. And I told told everybody, and I took an overhead view from Google Earth and showed them where it happened, you know. Yeah. And I didn't realize Wes Germer was a member of that group. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I want you to be on my show. I'm like, Wes, I only saw it for a few <laughs> seconds. And, you know, his, his stories, he his, they're, always, they're all scary. And, you know, I'm like, dude, I don't have PTSD. I didn't get scared because it wasn't running toward me. <laughs> <laughs> it was leaving. <laughs> but he had me on anyway. And that was my first podcast. So That's I was really fun. nervous. And, and, and I was like, I really don't have much to say. You know, here's what happened. <laughs> and now you have like all these books about Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> and you caught my eye. I was like, that's a guy who wrote seven, relics. Four out of seven are about Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, relate to Bigfoot in some fashion. Bigfoot's part of the story. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's really interesting how people refer. Oh, gosh. I don't know what that was. That was weird. How they refer Bigfoot to aliens, UFOs, activity, um the bright orbs that people see that fascinates me too, a little bit. Well, that all fascinates me too. Now I was never interested in orbs. And like I say, I was always kind of a UFO guy. I was always interested. My cousin, I had a cousin. She was about my sister's age and we were going down. It was a two day drive down the coast from where we lived to down to uh, Padre Island, Texas. And we'd stop in San Antonio and stay at their house. And, she gave me this book, and this was back in the late 60s, called Flying Saucer's Serious Business by Frank Edwards. And I read that book, and I just got hooked. And it was all the old stories, you know, from the 40s and 50s and early 60s. And, you know, and I just, it was, it just captured my imagination. And I really went kind of UFO loopy. Yeah. <laughs> my mom was very UFO loopy. Was she? <laughs> she saw one in New York State. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And several experiences throughout childhood and everything. Yeah. Well, I had like, I had really a couple of sightings as a a child and they could have been anything. And then I had a sighting while I was in the Air Force with three other guys. That's interesting. It was kind of of funny, but I, I still want to think that thing was a blimp. With no lights. I mean, it, it, it we were work. It was nighttime. We were out on mm-hmm. the flight line, and this guy goes, "Look!" And we look over at the runway, and there's a spotlight down on the runway, and there's this 
big oval shaped thing there. And so, you know, the, the sky bobbies, the security police, they went and run, you know, jumped in their trucks and drove out to the, to the uh, runway. And when they're coming back, one comes by us and we stop and said, Hey, what was that? He said, what was what? What was that over the runway? Because you could still see it move away for a little mm-hmm. bit. And then it just got too dark, got lost in the dark. And he said, there wasn't nothing out there and you shouldn't say anything or you'll get sent overseas. Well, our squadron was closing. 90% of us are going overseas. Anyway, we're like, hey, we don't care. We're all going like, overseas. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> but he, he wouldn't say anything about it. Yeah. And then um, the best sighting I had, though, and, and this is where it gets weird here in Honubi. I was standing at the exact same place I was standing when I saw the uh, the Sasquatch sighting, mm-hmm. and this was uh, 2021, and I'm it, it was a it was a meteor shower. They were having a meteor shower that night. Ooh, cool! And so I'm out watching meteors. I love it, and I'm just yeah. having a blast. You know, I'm getting one or two a minute, so it's pretty active, and they're all green or or kind oh, of lighted, You know, wonderful. and then all of a sudden, this big orange football going the other direction. Uh-oh. Goes by the mountains to the south, and I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, man, if that's a meteor, it is going to clock Broken Bow, you know, because right. it was low. And I'm looking, and I thought, that's not a meteor. That's weird. It looked like a big orange glowing football. And wow. it looked like it was moving within 10. It wasn't going down. It was just going level, you know. And it 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 was so weird that I called MUFON and made a report because I thought, well, it was probably a meteor, you know, but it had to be huge. And I don't see how it didn't hit hit the, you know, hit somewhere in Oklahoma because it was low. So I called and made my report. And, you know, she goes, well, the only thing, there was an Airbus 234, you know, to the north of you about that time. Could you have mistaken that? And I'm like, no, I was looking, I was looking south. This thing was heading south. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, you sure it wasn't an airplane? And I was like, mm, lady, I spent 16 years in the Air Force. I know what planes look like at night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, it wasn't. It definitely, if it was an airplane, I wouldn't be calling you. And uh, they registered it as an unknown. And then funny thing, I found a photograph of the same thing. Like a couple of months later, I was just cruising along through Facebook. And there it is. And wow. it's funny because it's got pine trees. And, and, You're and, like, hey, and, wait. It looks just like, <laughs> I'm like, my God, that looks just like it looks here. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of weird. I always, I always find sightings like that very interesting. I know when my mom had hers, she said she pulled over and another couple were behind her. And she was pregnant with me. She said they both got out of the car, stared at it for a good two minutes, looked at each other, and it was gone in a blink of an eye. Well, that's she's like, and they just stood there for like 10 minutes. They didn't know what to say to each other. They got in their cars and left that they were like blown away. That, that's nuts. And I, and I can see that like as cool as this one was, um, I had one in Texas just before moving out here. Mm-hmm. Um, we were the same pool. I told you about got the rocks thrown in here. I was yeah. out, you know, we'd only been married. Um, we hadn't even been married a year yet. And I was out in the pool swimming around and Monica came out. She was telling me about something and I was just hanging over the edge of the pool looking up at her. And there was a star overhead. It was just twilight getting dark and the star wiggled. And I thought, well, that's weird. You know, I thought, oh, it's chlorine in my eyes. So I'm wiping my eyes and then I look up and it's doing like 
this triangular pattern and it's like what, wait, whoa, like, stars don't do that, do they? Yeah, no, they don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, like, wait a minute. Like, look at that, look at that, look at that. And she turns around, as soon as she gets her eyes on it, the thing zips off to the west, but she saw it. And so she's looking at it, it zips off to the west, and I pull my sight back to where it was. And I hate to say this, but the MUFON lady milked this out of me because I wasn't going to tell her. She goes, something else happened, didn't it? I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she said, what? And I said, it didn't look angelic, but there was some guy up there with wings, and he looked like a like a, more like one of the comic book characters or something. And I'm thinking, and I said, and I can't explain it because he was way high, but I could see the detail. He wore like this brown costume, and his wings were kind of beige; they weren't white, and he had a mask. And she's like, "Okay," and she and I'm like. Really? That's okay. <laughs> He's like, you would be surprised how many people report something like that with a UFO sighting. I said, yeah. I don't know what it was. I said, but it, I said because it was completely out of scale with the light I saw with what I thought was a star at first. So and- I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah, there for a few years, weird stuff was happening all the time, and then it just dried up. Yeah, and it comes to- and goes like that. It's re- like even with my mom's family, like they'd see stuff, it would go. They'd see stuff, and then they wouldn't see it for a while. My mom had continu- continuous activity after her sighting, though. Really? Well, see, that's what I'm, you know, I, I wondered about that. There was one more, well, actually, Dee, there's two more things I want to tell you about real quick that happened oh, here. Oh, of Arizona. course. And it, again, they're all at the same spot. And this was just, this was two years ago, and I was leaving, or I was a copier tech. and you know, I would cover 300 miles a day and there were some mornings I'd get it like a super early start. If I had a lot to do, I'd just leave a couple hours early. So I'd get a jump on things. And, um, so I'm coming out to the gate. I get right to the gate where I was standing with Opie when I had the, the uh, Sasquatch sighting and it was deer season. And I see these two lights on the mountains to the South. And I'm thinking it's two guys on ATVs, two deer hunters getting out to their blinds or something. Right. And then all of a sudden, one of them just drops like 200 feet. And I thought, oh, my God, he drove off a cliff. (gasps) And I thought the other one would stop, and it dropped 200 feet. Oh, my. And then they both came right back up and just continued on from left to right. It was the weirdest thing. And so I asked one of the local guys here that's kind of a – well, he's not local, but he comes here quite often. He's – He's a Bigfoot guy, head of a Bigfoot group and all mm-hmm. that. And he's he's Native American. And uh, so I asked him about that. He's like, oh, that's the little people. I'm like, what? Oh, wow. Bigfoot ain't enough. You got little people. What, what <laughs> They're they? everywhere. Little people are everywhere, John. <laughs> yeah. And he gave me the he gave me the Choctaw names. He goes, those are their landers. And I said, well. How would why would they drop their lanterns two hundred feet and then get them back? He goes, no, they just probably drop down and pop back up. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that don't happen. <laughs> and what are these little people called? Um, I got the names right here. Let me put my reading glasses. That's really on. interesting. Okay, for the talk talk, one word is Kawi Anukasha, K O W I two words and then A N U. K-A-S-H-A. Is this hard to say as Van Deventer? Wow. Uh, yeah. Kawi Anukasha. Kawi Anukasha. And then the other one is B-O-H-P-O-L-I. Um, 
Bhopali, I would think, something like that. Interesting. Of course, Hanobius, Hanobi is spelled H-O-N-O-B-I-A, Hanobia, and they say Honubi, so I'm probably not pronouncing this correctly. Anyway, they supposedly throw rocks and sticks at people. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> Um, oh, they'll steal small ch- children and teach them about herbs and medicines oh, and keep cool. them for a couple of days. And those people will become tribal doctors. And if the kid doesn't have a doesn't have the uh, skill set or the interest, they'll return them after one day. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it really is. I think it's kind of cool. I do, too. And it would make perfect sense. Yeah. Well, it does make sense. Okay, my last my last spooky story here. And so, again, one night I'm out just looking at airplanes, looking at, well, it was funny because this jet went over, and my mm-hmm. wife goes, man, he's going fast. I said, well, it's a fighter. She goes, how do you know? I said, I can tell by how fast it's going. Well, then it hit its afterburners, and its afterburners came on, and I said, it's an F-18. And she goes, how do you know? I said, <laughs> because the afterburners are so close. I said, the only other thing with two, like that would be an F-15, and they're spread apart. So it, mm-hmm. it's a Marine or Navy F- F-18, and she's just like looking at me. You're like, I, I was in the military, <laughs> and I love planes. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I turn around, and I look at my truck, and I see Opie going. Now, Opie's completely black. He's mm-hmm. got a little white in the front, and he's got one blue eye and one brown eye. Oh, and I see him go under the truck, and I'm not thinking anything of it. And then I look over toward where Monica is, and Opie's walking toward me. I'm like, what the heck? And so I get down, and I look under. Monica said, what are you doing? And I said, something crawled under this truck. I thought it was Opie. And then I stood up, and then I hear her start rebuking. <laughs> you know, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And I'm like, what? What's good? And she goes, this big cat-looking thing that I could see through just walked right through the flower bed. And I said, what do you mean? You can see, she goes, it wasn't there. It was a shadow. And it walked right to the flower bed. Wow. And I was like, whoa. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird here at times. It, it just gets a little weird. Wow. I wonder how much of that has to do with, I don't know, elementals or something. Well, the woods. I wonder that, too. There's, um, you know, the Choctaw tribe was put here. They this wasn't, you know, they came from Alabama yes. and Mississippi Trail of Tears. The original, the original residents here were Caddo and Osage. Mm-hmm. So, but it's hard to find anything on the Caddo. I don't even know where they are now. Yeah, I don't even they know if they still exist. Um, yeah. I I can't say now my, my grandmother's mother was, her relatives were on the Trail of Tears to Oklahoma as well. And there is a lot of legends and stuff in that area. Yeah, there really, there really is. Yeah, and a lot of history, and a lot of native folklore, which is well, I, you know, I, I really used just a touch of it in my first book, Relics, the the first Bigfoot book. Yes, you did. Yeah, and um, you know about how they followed them from Mississippi and, and uh, Alabama to Oklahoma and. You know, I used a little little of the stuff in there. In fact, a lot of my characters are Choctaw in that first book. You know, it's interesting. Every Native American I've ever talked to, they talk like Bigfoot does exist. 
Well, my neighbor does. I have a neighbor, my closest neighbor, mm-hmm. and I get my firewood from him. He's full blood Choctaw. And I would just asked him about it one day. You know, I said, hey, look, here's what happened. Here's what I saw. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, there's, they, I see him. I've seen him before behind my house. He goes, there's a, there's a, a game trail back there. And they use that game mm-hmm. trail to go down the river. I'm like, oh, okay. They're hunting. And he was like, no big deal. <laughs> You're like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> that is so funny. And it's interesting yeah, it, too. It it is. It's interesting because they know they know they've always been there and they don't have an issue with them. I think some people in the Appalachians are the same way. They talk about them like they're just here. Right. Well, you know, um, I see a lot of people talk about them like they have, you know, like they're they're kind of cohabitating with them or something. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I. I wish I could say I've seen more. And I mean, you know, occasionally one day Monica found a track while we were out um, walking by a creek and, you know, but that's, a, that's about it. Um, it's just, they're just a mystery still to me. I don't know, but I, and this is going to sound really terrible, but when I had my sighting, I was like, okay, they exist. <laughs> and and he kind of got, it wasn't as interesting now, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, okay, they exist That that mystery. So I don't know what they are. I ain't going to get close enough to find out, but I know they're there. So, you I know, don't think that sounds bad. I think <laughs> you needed that confirmation. Maybe, maybe so, <laughs> but it, but it, but it, it's been harder to get me to talk about Bigfoot with any enthusiasm to society <laughs> because <laughs> all the mystery's gone. Yes, they're there. <laughs> I where other people I think it would energize they want it right. no more. I, I think I was like, okay, I can go back to my UFOs now. That's over. <laughs> See, I'd be trying to feed them. I feed everything. So if it has fur on it, I'd be out there going, Are you hungry? Would you like an apple? How about a Hershey bar? <laughs> I'll make you a cake. I'll, I'll you yeah, know, well, yeah, I'm then hungry. next thing you know, they're sitting on your couch waiting for dinner. <laughs> I know, it's a constant problem. I have five of them to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, D? You got a broken arm? Dinner's not ready yet. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I tell you, I miss the use of my arm. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I can, I, I can imagine. <laughs> I am never going to hug a sidewalk again. <laughs> you know what I find interesting about the whole Bigfoot is the UFO connection. Well, I do too. And um, I hear all kinds of crazy stories, like maybe they're pets or maybe they're dimensional. <laughs> so what, what, how do you believe? What do you think they are? How are no, they connected? I, I kind of, and this is just my belief. I don't have, I don't have any data to back it up. Um, my belief is it's all kind of connected. I, I think it's all connected one way or the other. I tend to lean towards the dimensional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, as far as them being Nephilim, no, nah, I don't think they're like a true Nephilim. But if you read the book of Enoch, mm-hmm. you know, you, they talk about the watcher angels came down and they made it with women. And that's what right. created they yeah. made it. And they created the Nephilim and here and there. And that. And um, but according to the book of Enoch, they not only did that with human women, they did that with all kinds of species because they were just kind of 
they were rebelling against God and they were wrecking the DNA pool. Right. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I, I am a Christian now. I, I've been saved. And, um, but I had trouble ever believing in a loving God or I had, I had trouble with Christianity because I didn't understand how this God that's supposed to love me. And if I sin, he's going to, you know, he still loves me. Then why'd you drown all those people for being sinners? And mm-hmm. why'd you tell Cain and, or not Cain, but why'd you tell uh, um, Joshua and Caleb to wipe out whole tribes or animals or children, everything. Well, then Monica starts telling me everything she's learning in Torah and stuff. She said, John, it, it was a seed war. It wasn't a sin as much as the man's DNA had been compromised with the DNA of the angels. And it was an abomination and it was spreading fast throughout the human race. And, it, you know, if there hadn't been a flood, if you hadn't put a stop to it right there, all of mankind would have been swallowed up in this. And there would have been no way a redeemer could could come because God wasn't going to allow, you know, his, his spirit to come out in a, in a woman that wasn't pure human that had angel DNA or compromised, a compromised genome. So she told me that, and I don't know, that made sense to me. And it seemed like once I understood that it was a seed war, you know, it goes back to, um, and I, I, please, I, I don't want to get preached here, but you know, it goes back to Adam and Eve where he says, your seed will be at enmity with the seed of the woman. It's a seed war. And for some reason that made sense to me. And then light started coming on in my head and, um, you know, I took it from there. Now, I don't think that'll work for everybody, but that worked for me. And that's what led me to the conclusions I had regarding my faith. That's interesting. I, I've heard more than a couple of people say that in interviews that I've had. Really? About the the mix of the angel and or the gods and the the humans and right. the flood was to destroy that basically they were destroyed in the flood and they became the bad spirits because or the demons because they were right still angry. because they can't they're angry exist. yeah yeah and they can't exist anywhere because they were never they were never created by god they're a, they're an abomination yeah that's the same thing now i will tell you every church i've ever been in <laughs> if you mention that you believe that you know, that the fallen angels rebelled and um, had sex with human women brought forth Nephilim. They look at you like you got three heads. And say, <laughs> no, that was the line of Seth and the line of Cain. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they don't want to admit if, that. <laughs> yeah. If, if God was going to, you know, destroy the earth for, for sin right now, <laughs> you better put your life jacket on or your, you know, your plane proof clothes or whatever because i might need about five life jackets at this point (laughs) yeah who doesn't i do too and um but but that it just made sense to me it made the lights come on for me personally um i just thought okay there it is how come nobody could ever explain it to me and you know monica just popped it off right off top of her head and she said look don't take my word for it Read here, read here, look at this, look at that, and come to your own conclusions. And after I did, I was like, wow, that makes sense. You know, it made, it made perfect sense. Now, 
John, what is your new book based on? <laughs> um, okay, my new book is An Alien Invasion. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and I hate to give be a spoiler, but it's going to be a different... Okay, well, it's... The aliens aren't aliens. Let's just put it that way. They come and they pose as Palladian Nordic aliens, mm-hmm. but that's not what they are. Oh. And they've got other plans. So, you know, they're coming. Um, they, they they tell the humans, hey, we created you. Actually, the lead one, Simjaza, says he created him because he says he created the others mm-hmm. after his father created him. And they mix their DNA with Neanderthal to create the modern man and they come and they sell them on the fact that, Hey, you can't get past murdering each other. You can't get past your war. You can't get past your greed. You can't get past, you know, just being cruel to each other. You need an upgrade to your genome. And we're here to do that. So you can join the galactic family mm-hmm. and people buy into it. That's and interesting. Yeah. So what's what's the, the, the solution so they can become the galactic human and rise above the other humans is to alter their DNA. Huh. So you can kind of take it from there. <laughs> wow. It sounds like there's going to be a sequel. Yeah, it's going to be a trilogy. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to do a standalone. I started writing and I thought, you know what? This is kind of the story I wanted to use for the next trilogy. So, yeah, let's just go ahead and do another. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I'm, you know, I'm about three chapters into this and I go back up. I could use this guy. I really need these people from Relics. Mm-hmm. And so I, the Relics character is going to live on in this. They're 10 years older, but um, they're in here, a few of them. Even uh, one of the one of the kids from my uh, Shadow Chasers. Is in the book. Yeah, has grown up and, and comes into this book too. So they've had a very exciting life. Yeah, they have. All, <laughs> this, all this stuff in southern Oklahoma, I would have never known. So. I know, right? It's kind of like it's it's kind of like um, their own X file trilogy there. Well, you know, like like I said, I used uh, Talahina for Relics One. Uh-huh. And Relics 2, I wrote here in Honubi, and I wanted it based on Honubi. So I moved the story up to Honubi, and I knew there had to be a third book. And I was just like, man, what am I going to use? What am I going to use? I'm running out of ideas for this. And I meet this guy who liked my books, and he has like a, a show like yours. Is on, you call in on the phone, and it's uh-huh. similar to this. Well, he... There's a place about 40 miles from here in Hebner, Oklahoma, and they got this room stone. This stone is in the ground, perfectly vertical, and they're mm. saying it's Viking runes, and, you know, it may be, wow. it may not. That's interesting. Called, the rules are called, I can't remember now, top of I'll my head. I'll have to look it up. That sounds really cool. Eld, Elder Farm Dock or something like that is what, but yeah, look for Hebner, Oklahoma, Viking runes in Oklahoma. It'll send you right to it. Huh. So then he tells me this other story about the number five coal mine there. That's going to be about, I think it's about a mile and a half, two miles away from where this runestone is. Mm-hmm. And in 1928, these guys went down in that mine. They were way deep, you know, and um, they came across these polished um, cement columns and these polished cement walls. Wow. 
that was embedded in rock that was 230 million years old. And, it and was the cement? government came down and looked at it and closed the mine, flooded the mine and closed it down. Then I heard a similar thing was found in Wilberton, about 60 miles from here, in another coal mine. So I, he told me about this. I said, well, I'm going to go take a look. So I went on the Internet and started looking. Sure enough, I found information about it. So um, I don't know if it actually happened, but, man, it was right there. That's the kind of stuff I need to write a novel with. I mm -hmm. get stuff like that. It's like, man, there's a book right there. That's you know, really interesting. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Why would, I mean, they flood it so nobody could get in there and poke around is what that was. Well, they can't get in there and poke around. They can't get in there and bring out evidence of a civilization that was here 230 years ago mm -hmm. because it's not going to jive with what they're telling us. Oh, no, it would change our history completely, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then, you know, even like some, you know, they said, well, Christians wouldn't believe it because they say the years, you know, the earth's on. Well, you know, I'd be inclined to believe it because, you know, it says the earth was was void, void without form. I mean, so it was here. Something happened. You know, mm -hmm. I believe that something was here before we were put here by God, you know, so um I mean, we don't know what what's been going on. It's, it, you know, it's just it's crazy what's out there, you know. So, I don't know. I think more and more is coming out. The more stuff you see on the news, all of the reports, I think right. more yeah. and more slowly will come out. I, yeah, I wish it all come out at once. So all these people that you know claim to like see UFOs, uh, you know, experiencers, it would. I think it would help a lot of people. Well, I do too. Um, you know, it took me two years to come out about my Bigfoot sighting. Yeah, it's I, hard to come out. It, it's well, more you know, friendly I'm now. A Bigfoot book. I'm selling yeah. a Bigfoot book, and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> if I talk about the Bigfoot sighting and I'm selling a Bigfoot book, everybody's going to say, sure, yeah, sure. you're just trying to sell books. <laughs> and then one day, Don Domi says, John, you are trying to sell books. You see, you know, so just tell them, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I am. And, but here's this, and this is what happened. So, um, and then there's times I wish I hadn't, you know, like, you know, I got friends that don't believe in Bigfoot and they give me a hard time. And sometimes I'm like, well, I can understand it. And, and then I think, well, who knows? It may happen to them. You know, you just never know. So, uh, yeah. Never say never. I tell you, uh -uh. you know, did I see then again, did I see Bigfoot? I mean, he didn't walk over and introduce himself. Is that what I saw? You know, was it something else? Was it a, you know, um, who knows? It's just. If it walks over and introduces itself, you better call me right away. I'm flying down. <laughs> you want an interview? I do. And I want to see wonder... if it wants a cookie. <laughs> well, let's hope his last name can be pronounced easy. <laughs> <laughs> I have bad time. <laughs> it, it's just it it's just such an awesome world and I think there's so much out there and I think that's why everybody is so into all this stuff now. Yeah. I mean yeah, I think so too. And you know the the latest book that, that just released in the fall um I think I I had started that back last December and 
I was working on it when all the UFO sightings were hitting in the Chinese weather balloons. And, oh, you yes. Know, and I'm thinking, oh, yes. Okay, everybody tap the brake so I can get this book done. <laughs> I, no, no. <laughs> Stop. Come out after. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what are your future plans, John? Um, I'm going to uh, just keep writing. Um you know, the more books I have out there, the more money I, I can make, I guess. I mean, I I don't make much money on these books, believe me. In fact, just past, I did okay in 2022, but 2023, I had a few health problems and I wasn't active marketing. And um, and so I really didn't do anything this past sure. year. So I'm hoping this book does well. Um, right after Christmas, I'm going to knock out another Shadow Chasers book. Um, I just kind of... Remember, we were talking when you first contacted me. We we're talking about the little people and the gnomes. And yeah, the I love those things. Tommy knockers and all <laughs> I that. I love the Tommy knock. I love all that. Yeah. Well, I just got an idea and I've started on it, and it's going to be a Tommy knocker kind of kind of book. So, but you know, it's going to be one of the young adult books. And after that, sure. I really, really wanted to uh, do a standalone novel, but I got myself involved in another trilogy here. Uh -oh. I would love to do a standalone novel. Of, I'd like to do a vampire novel that takes place on the Western Front in, in World War II during the Battle Ooh, of the Bulge. That They're sounds awesome. Yeah, I thought about doing one where, you know, the GIs and the Germans accidentally release some, you know, a shell hits something and releases a vampire. It's been blocked away for... I thought that might be kind of neat. There's some other ideas I have. So I'm just going to keep on writing as long as I can, as long as I got the ideas. Um, Little people are awesome because they can all be interconnected somehow. Yeah. Gnomes, Tommy Knocker, imps. I remember um, on my mom's side of the family, her grandfather used to talk about the imps. They'd ride the horses and braid their hair. Really? Mm -hmm. He was an interesting man. I always felt I never met him, of course, but um, he would play the violin. He was French, apparently. And I often wondered if he was not a Ramon, you know, like Gypsy from France. Right. Yeah. Because he was a great he, he read tea leaves. He was a storyteller, very Catholic. But one story he he said he swore that the horses' manes were always braided in the, the imps would ride the horses throughout the night. You know, it's funny. I, I want to, I would take my, like I told you, I'm telling my children's stories, my two youngest, I would take down these old country roads where we lived in mm -hmm. Texas at night. And one night we saw, I think it ended up being a raccoon or something, but the way he stood up and yeah. he was just in the headlights, it looked like an imp. And I was like, it's funny we ended up calling that road imp road but that i would always say trevor and jessica my two youngest out there at night you know and oh let's go down imp road and see if we see anything spooky was like okay you know and sometimes we see something spooky yeah. like one night we saw what we thought was this ghost shimmering you know and we got oh up closer gosh. with a propane tank yeah <laughs> 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 The mind can fool you if you yeah, if you yeah. like let it. That's for sure. Especially if you have that little willy chili in your in your like right. You can yeah. feel it, and anything can set you off because you're on survival mode. And you're like, oh, oh, what's that? What's that? 
I know it, and you know it, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm getting a little on the old side now, sixty five, and it's fun when I go and see my children. We talk about those things, and you know, and it, it's like my children are like, I I can't see how you didn't become an author earlier. All the stories you <laughs> tell us. You know, I said, I guess that's it. I, I just ended up instead of talking them out, I I started writing them out. And As your second career. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Um, thank goodness. I, I mean, like I said, it came out of nowhere. Um, you know, and I learn a little bit more every book. Uh, you know, I learn a little bit more about publishing and how to get this and how to get that. And it's 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 been fun. I, and again, I would have never, ever thought I would do this at any point in my life. I never thought this would be happening to me. Even when I was starting on the first book, I didn't see it becoming a thing. Right. You know, guess yeah, what? It so, did. <laughs> yeah, it did. And I'm thankful. I mean, I enjoy it. And I've met a lot of people, you know, like I yeah. get to talk to you tonight. Um, I meet a lot of interesting people, get to talk to a lot of interesting people. You know, people, we have common interests and I would have never known, you know, but right. writing one book kind of, you know, funny thing is, uh, I don't know if I should tell a story, but I will. When I first started, um, I first started uh, on the book, you know, and I was researching, I was buying books and listening to podcasts. You know, there, there's Ron Moorhead and there's David Politis and there's all these guys. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, I'm speaking at the same thing Ron Moorhead's speaking at. <laughs> He's sitting right next to me, you know, and his wife's there. And then on the other side, M.K. Davis and Scott Nelson was there. Um, who are the guys with the hats? Lyle Blackburn and um, oh yeah, I know who you're that talking other about. Guy. Yep, yep, yep. You know, met them. You know, and I've introduced them a couple of times because I've been the MC. But I meet all these people now, and, and I ain't gonna tell you what it was about. But I got in an internet purse fight with Matt Moneymaker a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, and I was laughing so hard. You know, my wife's like, "What's?" I said. I don't know. They pulled the thread. I got an argument with Matt Bunny Baker and I was laughing. She goes, what? I said, I would have never thought because I was watching that show. I'd occasionally watch that long before I had any inclination I was going to write any of these books. Right. You know, I'd just be going through and I'd see it and I'd watch it for a couple of minutes. And I always remembered that guy because of his name and Bobo. I remember those yes, are the two I yes. remember. Oh, yes. I don't think I ever watched a full episode, but I thought, you know, we were talking about the other day. I'm, you know, I'm friends with this guy, friends with that guy. And, you know, I, and I was using their material for research. And I said, now I've just been on the internet purse fight with one of the very first Bigfoot people I ever saw. And I said, it's just kind of weird. Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know how he ended up here. <laughs> yeah. That, that was my whole point. I said, how did I get here? What happened? <laughs> You know, and now Matt Moneymaker's famous, John Vandeventer hidden, but I, I still, I just thought it was funny. It was just hilarious to me. Just one of those moments. Sometimes you got to look back and then it's almost like a piece to the puzzle. Yeah. And you're like, I never thought, like if somebody told me 10 years ago to be podcasting when I retired from dance, I would have been like, what? But then, the podcast? <laughs> yeah, 10 years ago, I heard my first podcast and I was like glued to it. I was like. This is awesome. He's, and it was Jim Harold. I love Jim Harold. He's one of my favorite podcasters. And it, it was so funny. He does um, 
paranormal podcast and he does campfire and he was so I listened to him and listened to him and I was like wow I want to be a podcaster <laughs> so when I retired from dance I looked at my husband as what are you gonna do now I'm like well for my hobby I want to be a podcaster he's like what a what <laughs> here I am talking to you now <laughs> my, my, my publisher my publisher um I use Empire Publishing. They've, they've really been good to me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, Steve and Francesca, and they've, you know, they've helped me a lot and worked really hard on my projects. And Francesca told me more than a time or two, you need to have your own podcast. You know, you and should. It'd be fun. And I think, yeah, I think I'm going to try and find time to start one. And then, you know, Jessica Jones. Do you ever do um, know the, the cryptid? Um, cryptid Hunters? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, I'm going to be on her show again tomorrow, and I'm on her show quite a bit, and I'll be thinking, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then I'll get on her show, and I'll watch her talk about all her merchandise, and she's doing this, and she's going to be there, and she's doing this, uh, and she's doing that, and I'm going here, and I'm going there, and I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I just do one thing, I just interview. <laughs> I don't know where she gets her energy, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, John, where do they get your books? They get them on Amazon? Uh, yes, um, you can get them at Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target. The easiest way to find them um, is to just go to my website. It's relicsbook.com. Relics with an S. Book is singular. dot com. www.relicsbook.com. And there, all my titles are on the website, including the newest one. And you can order them in any format hardcover soft cover or ebook and there's an email there's an email link there as well and um you can get a hold of me if you have any issues or if you want you know to buy a mm -hmm. autographed one you know we can arrange something if you want to email me for an autographed one but it's relicsbook.com and that's just the easiest way because it you can find the link to the other places there so that's awesome. I want to thank you for coming on Twilight Tonic, and I hope you'll come back someday really I'll soon. I'll be glad to come back. I had a blast. Thank yes, you for having me. Yes, you're welcome, and have a good night. And please thank your wife, Monica, for letting me take an hour of your time. She had to go to a Christmas thing. Oh. <laughs> she works at a school tonight for a little Christmas festival. I kind of hate I missed it because those kids are so cute. But Yes, they are. <laughs> Yeah, now I gotta make her dinner. Okay. Well, you have a good night, John. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you, Dee. Enjoyed it. <laughs> have a good night. Good night.